Welcome to another installment of the Nimrod Generation Podcast, where the space of Final Frontier, then the beer run at the corner store is the first stop there. I am Leo, as always with me is that boy, Vincent. Say what's up, V. Hey, what's up? And for the first time on the gen, I'm going to be introducing, actually, I'm going to let him introduce himself. He's been part of the uh, Nimrod family before, been on a birthday bash episode, was it last year? I'm going to say Yes, you are correct, good sir. All right, uh, sir, introduce yourself. How's it going, folks? Uh, my name is Falcro, uh, but most of my friends call me Hector here. Yeah, yeah, that's just like we did for my birthday bash the year you were on there. We did the bash at the beach by from WCW. Looks like we're gonna be doing some WCW stuff together, huh? It seems like it that way, which that's cool with me because I mean. It's not not a bad idea to go back to memory lane to check out anything WCW related. I mean, am I wrong? Well, Vincent doesn't like the Disco Inferno, so maybe that might be a little bad. Right, Vincent? Disco fever. Disco fever. All right, but not when you try to copy his moves. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So we've been trying to do this whole Halloween, October month. So... Why not? It's been a while since we've done a wrestling episode, so I thought let's draw a year from the hat and see which one came up. Seems like for Halloween, October, we got the Halloween Havoc 1991. Did any, I'm pretty sure besides Vince, did anybody watch this live? (laughs) No, because I, I got into pro wrestling like summer of 95, so this is definitely one of those matches that... I definitely missed out on. I mean, what about you, Vincent? Yeah, no, I was I was into wrestling in the '80s. Had a big lull, and then it wasn't until the late '90s, early 2000s, like '99 or something. Yeah, on my part, it was a legit '99, '98. So that I got like actually, I was watching more WCW than I watched WWE. So that was a plus, but like. Watching this, I do not honestly, like, besides the legends that are Hall of Famers now, I don't remember a bunch of these wrestlers or, or a bunch of them was unknown. So this was kind of cool to watch because I felt like you're kind of watching it as kind of like the time I went with Vincent to go watch the, uh, what was it called? Wrestle Circus. Yeah, like, you don't know the wrestlers. You don't know what they're capable of, what they do. But you know these guys are legends. They've put in their time and it was cool to see that to see them in action you know like we can see like the the highlight reels and the hall of fame speeches and all that but what made them what they are it's actually pretty cool to see so you guys have anything to add say oh so you went to it like it was almost an indie show but you knew these guys had history so it was more like that yeah all right yeah that's it all right. I know people probably do not see what's going on in the background. I'm dealing with a puppy. <laughs> so this fool loves to uh, run, scream, squeal, and uh, pee all over the place. Oh, you so, not to steal that dog. I, I did mean, that not. Sounds, I mean, that does sound like an average puppy behavior. So you got nothing to worry about. 
uh, I, I have a lot to worry about if I don't want my room stinking like pee. Hey, get down here. And apparently, I should have yeah, named my you don't I want your room stinking like dog pee. That's true. <laughs> what do you mean? I've damn pissed myself all the time when I'm drunk in here. Yeah, I've seen it plenty. You know what? I should have named this dog Matt Murdock. Like, legit. He is literally like the daredevil of dogs. I've never seen a puppy jump from very high places, even though, like, I I don't know why he does it. I go. It's it's the thrill of jumping. So, this yeah. your home is a giant playground for this little guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, for this pay-per-view, like, honestly... I'm going to name the cart right now. Um, I'm going to start from the, the main event because I don't. Okay, so Lex Luger, Ron Simmons was the main match. And then after that, we're going to go backwards coming down for it. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, we all know who all those guys are. Both of them are. Now, the enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry Sisko. Bisco? Larry's a Bisco. Bisco, yeah. My bad. Like Nabisco. Yeah. Uh, the, it's like Bisco, but Nabisco. Yeah, even the dog went, oh, like, you fucked up that name. Um, I honestly, I don't even know who the hell the Patriots are. Oh, Did you guys? Todd Trump like, and Firebreaker Chip? No, but I will say this. Like, from watching a card, there is, like, a lot of jobbers in this in that card of the people that may or may not know who they are. I mean, mm-hmm. the names may sound familiar, but the moment you first see them, mm-hmm. when you mentioned about the Patriots, the first thing on my mind was, oh my God, they just graduated from the WCW power plant, which was <laughs> back in the day, their training ground. That was their performance center back in the day. Oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. terrible. Yeah, and then we had the uh, Halloween Phantom versus Tom Zink before that and then we had flying brian versus richard morton i actually don't know any of those <laughs> well I, when when they when they announced who the halloween phantom was then we of course but that's till later on so this van halen copycat van hammer versus doug summers that was the jobber match yeah it was a straight up jobber match All right. but i really want to say that van hammer dude I want to say like I've seen that dude familiar, um, but I'll hold on to it when I'm what my theory is as we get closer. Yeah, I was say, right now I'm just trying to name the wrestlers and just tell me if you did not know any of these or did you know any of them? Because honestly, I, at this point, and I don't know Jack Squat about who the hell half of these people are. And then of course, I mean, it, for some of us it could be fifty fifty, but a, a lot can agree it's a lot of sixty for sixty to forty. Let's let's leave it at that. All right, you know what? Screw this. Let's just actually start the pay per view. All right. And so starting off is the uh, the main Chamber event, right? No, oh, Chamber of Horrors match. Oh. <laughs> we're going. I was gonna say I was gonna try to name all these wrestlers that were in here, but I'm like, mm, that that'd probably take too long. Not too, so. The Chamber of Horrors match, like it's basically like a four on four, and so from what I've gathered, okay. On one side, you have uh, El Gigante, along with the Steiner Hold Brothers. Hold on, how do you say it? El you know Gigante. How to, you, you, I'm saying you know how to speak Espanol, señor. You should. Well, yeah, I'm speaking. So I have the right to say that, señor. And those four guys, they were going up against 
Vader, Diamond Stud, a.k.a. Scott Hall, along with Cactus Jack, the Nebula the Butcher. I've heard some highlights about this match called the, the Chamber of Horrors, but i never seen the full match up to it today. Um, I don't know. Do you want to best describe what this match is about? Has anyone ever seen that one movie? What's it called? Uh, that The one with... Uh, West, didn't Wes Craven do it? The Shock movie? <laughs> the guy was like electrocuted. I don't know. It's like... It's that old horror film where the guy was put in the electric chair and then somehow pretty, survived. Yeah, came yeah, back yeah. Electricity or some shit. Yeah, that, that, that's the one I'm talking about. Like, I don't know what the name of that movie was, but pretty much that's the whole concept. Uh, roast your opponent alive in the middle yeah, of the like, ring. They're in a, a they're lot in of a, stuff. There, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, Vincent, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, they're in a steel cage, and then they fight for a while, and then another steel cage comes down, and inside that steel cage is an electrical chair, and there's a switch on the on the outer steel cage. That, that needs tape to be held up. Yeah, because that thing <laughs> kept falling down. Like, I remember when they showed it, like, directly, they're like... Oh, this is the switch. The switch is already down. I was like, it's already down. And like, oh, why isn't it going off? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. And then right and before it was time to set off the switch, the referee comes up, goes past Cactus Jack, and like, oh, let me take this up. In this, in that match, look into it. It was obviously it was a brawl, chaos, but there was like a lot of random stuff going on during the match. Like they have all these wooden coffins in ringside. And if you break one of them, a weird mask luchador comes out involved with handcuffs, which I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then towards in the middle of the match, you have these ghouls coming out from the entrance wrap with a stretcher. And let me explain it for those who are listening. Imagine a group of eight or nine people wearing nothing but white nurse gown with white pale face paint. Like they look like a terrible bootlegged George A. Romero zombie movies, just sitting there in the apron with their knees down, waiting for the person to be electrocuted to be carried out. But Oh, man, I, I was going to say powder, but that works, too. You remember the movie Powder? Yeah. <laughs> yes, from the, the 90s, and this dude's, like, completely pale and everything. And Yeah. No, didn't didn't uh, Dusty Road... No, not Dusty... Um, the son. Dustin? Dustin, Dustin Rose, seven. Yeah, when he, yeah, he did the seven gimmick, right? That didn't last that long. He fucking buried that gimmick <laughs> on Thunder. Oh well, pretty much just think of a bunch of those copycats. Even though those, I guess those came first. I mean, I, I'll agree with you there because, I mean, hell, we're talking about a company that brought RoboCop to help Sting. So, hey, 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 the I Misfits. Yeah, I laughed at the beginning of that match. Sting's coming down the ramp, and he just like beat his chest, and the belt fell off. What? Yeah, yeah. That when Sting was coming out, he was getting hyped up, and he got carried away, and the belt came out of his waist. He didn't really do anything. He just starts pounding his chest, and the belt just boom flops on the floor. Somebody oh, yeah. didn't do a good job help putting the belt around his waist backstage, yeah. or Sting was probably like. Oh crap! I'm next. I need to put this belt on really quickly as I go up on the entrance wrap. Yeah. So. so he only put the one clip out of out of all of them. He just put the one clip. <laughs> WCW's icon. There you go. 
Hey, all I remember from WCW was a. I remember the Misfits. <laughs> I remember Jerry only getting pile drive, taking a good pile driver, and I also remember. Well, it, it comes down to Vampiro, and I also remember for some reason the Insane Clown Posse in there. I remember ICP being there. Oh, and I remember when Kiss came out to debut their their Kiss related wrestler. A terrible um, idea. I mean, hey, this is the guy who dressed like Dracula trying to interview the uh, the Phantom. If but uh, overall, and well, oh, and might I add, like into that match, um, it was actually one of the very first match that some random referee was wearing what they call the referee camera, which is basically a helmet with a uh, a camera. That's basically feeling what's going on inside the rings. So. No, dude, it's pretty much what, like, you remember, um, did you ever watch the Disaster Piece uh, DVD from Slipknot? Yes, I you did. Know, remember, you remember how they everybody had, like, their own camera pointing on them, like, the guitars would have their own cameras, and, like, I think Sid yeah, actually yeah, yeah. had the camera, like, attached to the side of his head. This was revolutionary, because this is what began it, I feel. Oh, and early on in the match, freaking, like, I thought someone was going to die, because when they started brawling, the first thing Rick Steiner picked up was a chainsaw. Like he was literally gonna use the <laughs> chainsaw before he got into it. Like, dude, are you? That's too early. I'm down. I didn't yeah. pay attention to that because Cactus Jack came out with the chainsaw, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And it didn't have a chain on it. <laughs> no, I mean, but I, dude, honestly, that was a good way to start off the pay per view, though. Like, if you really think of like pay-per-views from nowadays they will not hail even attitude era was kind of a little iffy on the whole like doing those kind of matches you know what i mean and like i feel like that match was way more hardcore than anything even wwe has done in the last 20 years yes and no um well besides almost almost damn giving for this the the chambers horrors they they can get away with it because I kind of look at Dup as Halloween Havoc as a number one pay-per-view for any gimmick match you could throw in there, it'll work. It's Halloween. Is that why where they do the – nowadays they do, like, the whole wheel on the on NXT? Pretty much. And not only that, it's the, um, the idea of chamber, electrical chair, you know. I mean, how many horror movies or even Tales from the Crypt have you seen episodes where somebody dies in the chair, you know? Go figure. But Hell, speaking of the well, the first episode of Tales from the Crypt was uh, a guy that uh, was able to control uh, electricity, and then at the end they actually put him in the chair. Mm-hmm. That was actually the first episode of Tales from the Crypt. Then they just buy it up. There you go. But going back, like there was a towards the ending of the match, there was a oh, and I will say this for wrestling purposes. I believe this was the only time that I ever saw both Scott Hall and Vader in the same ring in the same match, which is very rare. You know, I don't think I've ever saw that happen. I was going to say, if it's the only time, that that is very rare. It is, because I just realized that, you know, I mean, Vader, I think Vader has been in a ring with everybody, whether it's tag team or opponent, but this was actually kind of like, oh, this is kind of new to me and kind of cool. But fast forward, you know, Abdullah was going to put Rick Steiner into the chair. 
but then Mick Foley was about to go up and pull the ladder. And then I don't know, like basically Rick Steiner did this crazy belly to belly suplex and suplex him into the chair, got the strap. He was literally trying to pull the 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 headpiece for the chair. And it looked like he was scratching Abdullah's back, trying to pressure it and just place it. And then Mick goes off and basically the effects, the pyro electricity, you know, for 1991, it was pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of cool and funny, but like how Abdullah got cooked and everything. So, yeah, it was pretty good. I, I was having a giggle when I saw the ring catch on fire. Oh, when they mentioned it, it's like even oh, the rays no. on fire. Yeah, the wrestling man. <laughs> like a little tiny flames. Well, there were more than just the one, but that was the only one that was still burning. So yeah. basically, like Sting, Steiner Brothers, and Elegante won, and immediately after the match, like as the cage was going up, Cactus Jack was checking Abula, like you know, is he okay? Is he hurting or anything? And Abula just snapped. Not only like pushed out Cactus Jack. But he went out to the ring, and the first person that Beulah kicked, and Beulah didn't pay attention, he actually kicked a WCW ring crew who was just doing his job bringing back the entrance ramp. And he, <laughs> he wasn't part of the show. He got kicked first just because he was in the way of Beulah, just so Beulah can knock down all the ghouls who were waiting at the, the entrance ramp. And then the Beulah and Cactus Jack, you know, their gimmick is causing havoc, so... I felt yeah. bad for the guy who was just doing his job. Hey, you know what you got yourself into, man? You you signed that waiver. Right or wrong? Right or yeah. wrong? Yeah, you're part of the company. You can get kicked at any point. No, but honestly, like, all in all, like, what would you guys rate this match? Because honestly, like, I've seen the Elimination Chamber. Four or five stars? Uh, we do five shots. Okay. So... Because I actually wanted to add, like, uh, Elimination Chambers and everything, like, those kind of WWE matches. Uh, I know we had the Pumjubi, what was it called? When, what's his name was in there? The big, tall guy, Indian guy? Punjabi uh, match. The Great Kali. Yeah, the Great Kali. Remember when they had, like, the like the whole bamboo thing oh, on there? The Punjabi prison match. The Punjabi prison match, yeah. Yeah. None of those had as many people, like... Yeah, you have Hell in a Cell where, like, one of them bleeds. But, like, this match literally damn near had everybody bleeding for the most part. Like, more than half the, the people in this match were, like, and there's eight people in this in this cage. Like, all eight, like, half of these people were fucking bleeding all over the place. few of them were. Uh, a lot of them were taking to the shot. I would say Cactus Jack would be the one who took a lot of the the stiff shots. I mean, hell, Sting lifted up a freaking... Part of the coffin and it landed on cactus head and you can hear the thump he didn't even protect himself like he took he sold it boy know, that's like, that, that's that's mick foley you know's mo that's what he's known for if you think about it this was one of mick foley's pre hell in a cell match just leading up to so Shit. that's where kind of experience getting into it well hell this is what hell in a cell happened what 97 98 98 it happened. So this is seven years prior to that. Well, is this like Mick Foley? Yeah, this is ninety one. That's ninety. Helen yeah. was ninety eight. But was was this pre Japan? Because I remember in Japan, in Japan he had like all the um, or ECW too. He had the the barbed wire match. Well, Japan uh, he had like all the the 
the bomb matches, the barbed wire explosive matches, and like the 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 death matches. Yeah. In Japan. But that's after this, right? No, I want to say it's like transition. I guess I don't know. I just don't remember that much. But I know for a fact, Vader was the one who was responsible to you know breaking Mix Foley's nose at a random uh, Saturday night. You know, oh, that really? Was, yeah. Because Vader, but from what I've known, the backstage nicest dude down to earth. But when you get in the ring with him, stiff as a motherfucker. Like he doesn't hold back. Like he will lay it on you. Mm, okay. Okay. I don't know what you mean. But if I have to give a rating for this match overall for the Chambers, I would give it a 3.5 out of a 5. Very good match. Get the people riled up crazy into it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, you know, it, this is basically WCW's way of starting money in the bank kind of action like they do at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, because if you look at the card, there's a reason why they put this match first to get the people riled up because throughout the night, some matches are kind of good and other matches eh, which we'll get to later on but that's my rating mr v i agree with that three and a half shots out of five because Falco said it was a, a good setup match lots of action things going crazy and it gets the crowd to the pay-per-view fairly quickly it's kind of like the first kill in a horror movie you got to make it memorable i mean it's all horror business right now or too, Halloween. Yeah, too much Halloween. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was debating between a 3.5 and a 4. I Honestly, I'm going to give it the 4 because that ending was hilarious. And not to sound... I know it was a botch with the whole tape thing, but <laughs> it, it had me giggling and laughing. I would say for the comedy humor of it, I'll give it the extra 0.5. It, but no, it's it, it was kind of cool to see, like I was mentioning earlier, it's like I've seen these these wrestlers like wrestle in WWE, WWF, and some of them, and like I would never thought that they would put themselves through this kind of match. So like to me to see them go through that, I was like, yo, this this was actually pretty fucking epic. This is pretty cool, you know. Like I don't I don't think. Um, what was uh, Scott's name in this match? Uh, Diamond Kid? What was he, was known as, no, he was known as Diamond Stud. Diamond Stud, yeah. Diamond like, Dallas Page, guys. Yeah, Diamond Stud is like... I don't know, for some reason I feel like he took a like a back step, but like kind of knowing his history, like you would think he would he'd be an, on the main front that he would like steal that show or whatever, but it, you know, like it's a different time. It's like you kind of see where these guys are coming from made legends. So like for me, that, 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 that was like a cool side to see, you know, not them being pushed as hard as they were. It's an, it's an insight into the early years because he didn't, they don't come out as the main guy. Yeah. The, bad, big, the big stars. He didn't come out as the rock. He was Rocky Maivia first. Yeah. And sometimes you like see these guys. Like when you say that an example, I can see that is like looking at Diamond Stud. He was like kind of like a developmental, like trying to mm-hmm. find who this person is. It's kind of like watching somebody in NXT, and then they blossom to who they become later on and they become legends. You know, yeah. Uh, best way to put it, like Dean Ambrose, uh, now known as John Moxley, 
you know, coming well, he from was like John before. NXT. Yeah, but back and forth, back and forth. But uh, they're trying to find his gig and everything. Same thing with Scott Hall. He was Scott Hall before, you know, Diamond Stud, Razor Ramon, back to Scott Hall again. So it's kind of like a cool, interesting journey to see from them them still being learning. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna lie. Like when when they're like, "Oh, Diamond Stud," I, I, like I had to double check. Like, wait a minute, like that's not Diamond Stud. That's like did I clean? Did I I had to clean my glasses. Be like, "Yo, hold up, that's that's hey yo, you know that's that's the go. guy. That's that's that's, hey, that's, yeah. that's Ramon." You know, it's like I I didn't I honestly like in. As we dive more into like the that was the the, the pay per view, we can honestly say Scottle is not the only wrestler in the event that had other people that paved the way to the future, and we'll talk more who the other wrestlers are. Oh up. yeah, yeah. See, and this was like when not to say anything for like the rest of it or like, this era of WCW because after this I was kind of like dozing off to like see other little little nitpicks of other things i was all like man i not that of course i didn't have cable to watch this stuff but like man i should go back and watch a bunch of this stuff well, it's all there i on can't peacock. imagine yeah um, the question is how much stuff they added on peacock and how much did they edit it out that's the thing you know but yeah. we'll see but i uh, will say this transitioning from the halloween chambers they immediately went backstage eric bischoff as dracula yeah, I <laughs> No, uh, actually, I was kind of surprised that, you know, like, when you watch the WWE matches, WWF matches, like, even on Peacock, it's all the same company now, but, like, they always do the, the black and white when you see the blood. Like, they always, to edit it. Really? They have, they actually do that on Peacock? Like, if you watch, like, a previous pay-per-view? Yeah, they, they edit it. Like, kind of like how they edit the music and all that stuff. I was kind of surprised that, you know, they let all this blood on there. Like, a part of me was also thinking, like, oh, because they're probably worried that not many people are going to watch this. You know what I mean? Like, maybe a younger generation would, would decide not to watch this or something. I mean, isn't Peacock religiously for <laughs> It's literally free for anybody anyway, to a certain extent? Or do you, uh, that's my question. Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, you can watch a couple things on there for free. Um, it's kind of like, I, I guess, how Hulu started off where you can have a couple things for free, but you cannot watch, like, all the main cool, like, you cannot watch, like, the live WWE events. Can't, um, you can't watch, like, I, I'm a huge soccer fan. There's a lot of soccer that comes on there. You can't watch any of that live. You have to have a subscription for it. So, and then the movies... Like, even though you have a subscription, like, there's a trailer in the beginning, and then you can watch the movie without any problems. But if you don't have the subscription, you watch it kind of like every five minutes there's a fucking trailer or a commercial or something. I'm watching movies on Peacock, and then they've got their commercials at the beginning. I've got the subscription, but you still got to sit through. It's like 90 seconds worth of of trailer. I think we can both agree, regardless if you have a free subscription or a paid subscription, these commercials and ads are getting really out of control every year. Okay, yes. And one thing I do not like is in when I when we had the when I had the WWE um network, it was nice to watch a pay-per-view without 
these extra ass commercials and now like every match there's a there's a damn commercial there's another commercial it's like kind of like kills the vibe like you're watching what's going on and they're like oh like let's go to an interview hi have you have you checked out our new tide pods have you checked out our new tide i was like the fuck i just want to watch the match man come on yeah like like and then half the time you know when i'm watching all this old stuff i'm like well who the fuck are you gonna interview like I don't give a shit about Tide, you know. Oh, well. But we can all say that this was a very good beginning to a pay per view. Now here's one where I do not know who the fuck was who and what the fuck was going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like it's like I got a a good oh god. Like the beginning Go felt the beginning felt like I got a good slice of a George A. Romero film, and then it turned into a. And to a C type movie, because <laughs> I don't know who the fuck these actors are. Who the fuck is Big Josh, PN News, and Creature One, Creature Two? It's a tag team match. It felt like this match should have been on at the time WCW Worldwide Wrestling, where you watch it on Saturday mornings at ten a.m. Okay. Um, even those the the creatures, even underneath the mask, it's hard to tell who the hell they are from back in that time of era. But PN News, I mean, he's basically like WCW's rapper or something. Oh, uh, Big Josh, I have no on. clue. All right, the rapper guy apparently wasn't there a, a girl that won a competition because like I was when we watched the match, it's like oh this is yeah. the girl who, who who won who won the rap. Uh, writing competition. Yeah. yeah, little white lady wrote the rap that he said at the beginning. Yeah, uh, what the heck? I'll, I'll, I don't remember much of the rap. All I remember was like the crowd going along saying, "Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo." That was it. And it's, that's what he had on the back of his. <laughs> that's what he had on the back of his. Uh, Dude, his attire. He, he really stole it, or I don't know. When they said, yo, baby, yo, and I'm going to music here, you know the first thing that I was thinking of? Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. And I'm like, which one came out first? The yo, baby, or go, ninja? Now, 91. To... Oh, shit. But, we got to look that up. I don't know. I mean, yo, baby, <laughs> yo's been just a generic rap thing for a while. I mean, hey, what if what if uh, Oz came out in the Shredder costume? <laughs> and then it wasn't even just Yo Baby Yo on the back of his tights. It was wrapped like a ribbon all the way around him. The game is thing. It's like before WWF at the time had their rocking guy with the WWF guitar logo on it. WCD had the Yo Baby Yo guy. Hey, what's up? Oh, loaded, loaded, loaded. But that's what it felt like. It just like it felt like a a filler match, but a perfect time to filler match because you immediately just saw the craziness of the chamber horrors. So this was people's opportunity to go go to the food stands or use the bathroom. I mean that early into the show though? I, I mean I don't know who these guys are anyway, and plus No, but the I thing is that- I actually had an issue with that because this early into the show, I'm not trying to diss like the Divas division or anything, but back in the day, they would put the the women's match at a certain point because that's the point where you go take a, like, 
not trying to say anything downside or anything, but that's what what people would do. Like the Divas division now is not what it used to be back then either. You can't say Divas division. E break and stuff like that. They're not even Divas anymore. It's the women's division. Yeah, the women's division. But, so yeah, I don't know. I I also kind of feel like this could have been a dark match or you know something put on before the pay per view just to keep the crowd amped. Yeah, because back in the nineties, WWF had this thing called the free for all, like a hour or thirty minute leading up to the hype show, and WCW had the thing called WCW main event or something like that. Just like he mentioned, just a pre show, a pre show match just to hype people up would make perfect sense, but. I was not. Was that like with WWF Nitro? Well, back at later nineties. I don't know, but throughout the match, it was hard for me to pay attention because you know most of the time I was just on my phone and I just see like kind of moments into the match. The match wasn't even that long, and it was like a good at least ten minutes or eight minute match. Oh man, bro, you gave it too much time. Was it really that short? It was five minutes and sixteen seconds. So. <laughs> That's what I said. I just didn't pay much attention to the match. It and, felt long to me. And this is what's crazy. The Chamber of Horrors was only just slightly half longer than that. But it felt like a fucking... It felt long. The Chamber of yeah, Horrors was actually... going on. Yeah, it was 12 minutes and 33 seconds. Nah, it felt longer than that. No, I... And that's not including the entrances either, huh? <laughs> no, not including the entrances. Just the actual match. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess this this tag team match that now I just want to say go ninja go ninja go is what the, it was most of the match because okay. it was literally five minutes sixteen seconds. Okay, this entire the one thing part, I did pay attention on was um, the double finisher towards the end where Big Josh did this slam move, freaking Pete. PN went up to the top rope and splashed the guy. And as he's covering him, Big Josh, for some dumb reason, they want he wanted to stand on top of his partner while he was covering the opponent to get the one, two, three. And I'm like, dude, you're you're hurting creature one or creature two, whoever the fuck this guy is. <laughs> felt bad for the guy. All right. Like it was standing right on the dude's neck, too. Standing yeah. on his partner. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 hit the dude's partner's neck trying to get up there, and you could tell that the PJ guy was kind of a little bit annoyed from that. All right, let me ask you guys this one question: Only Do one. any one of you guys know Jumping Joey Mags? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay, well that was Creature One. He also passed away on October of 2006 at the age of 37. And who was the other guy? Uh, it's it's un it's undetermined and unannounced, but they do have creature one. Who the so hell is that? I'm a rate. Oh, uh, I'll take half a shot on this one. You know what? I'll take a fireball. <laughs> End of story. There's not even an actual shot of liquor. It's just what it is. <laughs> Barely a one, like half half a one. Would you take a shot of Pepsi? I mean, if I still drink sodas, no, that would be cool. Yeah, but not anymore. It's been a year since I stopped drinking soda now. All right. Well, you take a half a shot of Arizona. As long as there's no alcohol, I'm in. For this match? This? No. I just give it up. Barely have a <laughs> There's no way. I am not going to give a toast of this match. Hell no. All right. Happen. All right. So pretty much it like you, 
you know what? Uh, what's your least favorite drink? My least favorite drink? Uh, help me out. It's this red. Back in the day, it was this stupid red soda. Big like red? A, red? Big red. That soda fucking sucks. I don't know why people like that. I mean, all right. Not them, but it's just, yeah. Yeah. Where, um, where, where are you going with this? I was just going to ask him how many shots would he take of a big red? Rather than watch the match? or Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Okay, so it, it is, I was going to say, like, so pretty much if this match was played over and over again for one entire day and you had to take a shot just to call it call it off, how much would you take that I, shot? I would take the drink and I would go to the nearest bathroom and pour it down the sink and just <laughs> go to bed and sleep throughout the whole day while the match is playing in the background and just pass out. I mean, all you have all you have to do is take the shot so you can stop the damn match. Oh no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> He'd rather not even drink the drink. No, oh no, dude. All right, Vincent, what about you, man? Yeah, I give it a half shot too. You give it a half a shot. Yeah, it's, it's forgettable. Very forgettable. Yeah. All right. Actually, this time we're gonna start off with Vincent, Bobby Eden. Versus Terrence Taylor. Yeah, all right. They had this faction going on with Terry Runnels, or that was Terry Runnels. Yeah, you didn't know the York thing was that was Terry Runnels. Yeah, it was Terry Runnels. Yeah, the Terry, Terry Justin Spice. Yeah, the, the woman ter- who comes out with the computer uh, accompanying that guy who York York organization thing. That's the same woman. The one that en- ended up starting the whole Hardy Boys, Ed- Edge and Christian, Edge and Christian. That's what made the Hardy Boys the kings of the ladder match. Yeah. Falcro's looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, I'm just trying to, like, man, what's. No, uh, because the Hardys <laughs> and Edge and Christian had, Edge and Christian and the Hardys had a best of five. It was a Terry inter- uh, Invitational, that's what it was called. And they had to win the best of five. The whole thing ended up in Judgment Day, and it was a ladder match. And that's when the Hardys and Edge and Christian had their first ladder match. And the Hardys won. So Terry became the manager of the Hardy Boys. After that, that's when, like, the Hardys were known as the kings of that ladder match. Uh, how did... Fast forward. Didn't there was a moment where that both the Hardys and Edge and Christian... And towards the end, after their series matches, they kind of earn each other's respect and they shake their hand. And then all of a sudden, Gangrel decided to take their manager and he's like, ah, she was with me the whole time. And that's when they kind of turn against Gangrel. Something like that. that. I, remember, I remember vividly something happened like that at a random Monday Night Raw. I mean, it's probably out there on YouTube, but yeah. But yes, um, to your shocking conclusion, uh, Terry Runnels. She was a York um, representative of the faction. All right. And well, this was Vincent's. He was the York in the York Corporation or whatever it was called. Yeah, but nah, it was it was pretty good. I mean, it was a good straight up match. They they both went out there to compete and, and back and forth for a while, and they didn't pull any real gimmicks in this match. Besides, so looking at a computer, see when the hell you're gonna do something. Yeah, well, computer, that was the thing of the York Corporation, I guess, because she came out with a computer in a, a later match, and it was 
you're supposed to look at the analytics on the computer to tell when to do certain moves or when the the best time to end the match would be. Yeah. Their computer is probably their worst game genie of pro wrestling is the best yeah. way to put it. Mm. I thought it was funny because I didn't remember laptops back then working unless you had the screen fully upright and they just kind of like open it a little bit. You see what's going on? And then close it real quick. Hey, he wouldn't know. <laughs> it's wrestling. Pretty much. Oh, there's not actually much to say about this match, to be honest. Was it one of those matches also that you might know who these people are? But Bobby Eaton was very familiar because later on, I don't know what happened back then. Maybe he did some things with uh, Jim Cornette or anything. But I know for a fact that he used to be in a tag team with William Regal. And at the, in the ni- 1995, they were called the Blue Bloods. So they they were a tactic team in the mid-90s. Well, yeah, See? Terrence Taylor went on in WWE, F, WWE, whatever. He was Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster. Yes. And I have nothing to add to this. Just be honest. One of the match, the one highlight, the dude has... I don't know what his body made of, but going from the top rope and dropping a leg drop on his opponent on the entrance ramp. Yeah, that's that's pretty fucking intense. Wait, is it was it a leg drop or like because I know he came like with one knee. Is oh, that, is that... it was a knee. Yeah, it was Stay. a knee. It was a knee. It was a knee. Like, and then that's where he was like, uh, I don't know which announcer said he's like, oh, uh, if he would have missed that, he would have been needed to see a cu- I don't know why he said chiropractor for some reason. An orthopedic surgeon. An orthopedic, yeah, an orthopedic surgeon. I didn't even really think that that was that crazy, but yeah, shit. He's pretty good at land doing like high risk maneuvers on an opponent. Mm-hmm. Like his finisher is actually the leg drop off the top rope, and he nails it very well. And Bobby Eaton, that dude can go. He can definitely go in the ring like pretty good. You got to see some more of his matches, too. All right. I actually will write that one down because I'll check a couple of those out. Plus, that match, like, it was one of those matches early on. They they actually go back and forth, you know. They didn't hold back. Like, they actually go, go, go. Um, I'm pretty sure that both Bobby Eaton and Terrence Taylor at the time, they kind of like the yin and yang where they kind of know what to pull off next, what to pull off next. Believe it or not, this is actually the second longest match in the whole pay-per-view. Really? Yeah, it's actually standing at a whopping 16 minutes. I can believe that. With those did, two did, this there, was right? actually longer than another match that's going to happen later on, which is the one with the time limit. Nah. <laughs> that, that's funny. To me, that's funny. This match lasted longer than the one with the time limit. You know what? Since I don't really know much about these guys, um, the leg drop thing, I, I did, I did enjoy. I will give it a legit two point five. Not that much stuff that that I like. The two comes from that leg drop, I guess. <laughs> and then you buy it up. I was about to give it a five point five, but it was. I mean, it was nothing out of the ordinary. Just felt, eh, felt bland, to be honest. But yeah. I, Kind of got to 
since it's it's since it's in the middle, it has to be in the middle. It's a, it's in the middle. It's it's an okay match. Whoever wants to come first and say they're it's a stare down, guys. It's the biggest stare down I've ever seen. I'll, I'll go like. <laughs> I liked the pace of the match, and I like that they got their moves in, and it was, you know, a good back and forth. So personally, I'm I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Four to five. Okay. Power crow. Uh, same. I wouldn't give it a four because of like I already know who Bobby Eaton is. It it was kind of bugging me like who the hell is Terry Terry? But then when the moment you said the Red Rooster, that's dawn on me. And seeing these two guys like going in there, you know, inside the ring, outside the ring, offense, defense, you know, these guys can definitely click. It was back and forth. Oh man, can I can I change my number? I changed it to three. <laughs> All right, we'll allow it. All right, we'll we'll let it slide. They let it slide. Okay. All right. After that, we had the fourth match of the night, which is Johnny B. Bad with Teddy Long versus Jimmy Garvin with Michael Hayes. Speaking of the Hardy Boys. <laughs> going to be like the Little Richard impersonator versus the Redneck. Versus the Redneck, really? <laughs> I mean, what else can you put it other than Free Birds? I mean, it's not, they, it's, it's not PC to say bad really trash, right? You got uh, Oh... Let me see. Uh, will this make the edit? Hopefully, it won't get canceled. <laughs> hey, Crow, would you, would you cancel? Yeah. Would you cancel us? No. Why? No. Oh. Oh, I'm just asking. The one thing they won't cancel is people who are already dead. Can't do anything about it. It's triple stamp no erasing. <laughs> <laughs> so they fucking lost. For all I care. <laughs> Oh man, here we go. <laughs> All um, right. Hey. What was interesting about this match though, it's <laughs> one of those few moments that the fans uh, okay, I think I broke Leo now. <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. I was about to say something about a tag team match, but you can go ahead and say what you gotta say. <laughs> In this match, uh, what happened was, I find it interesting because obviously Johnny B. Bad was coming in as face, and Jimmy Garvin was a heel. But the fans switched it. They were cheering for Jimmy Garvin, and they were booing Johnny B. Bad. And what was cool about it, instead of ignoring the fans, the two wrestlers actually immediately switched the roles, where Johnny B. Bad starting to do like heels move heel stuff and people were behind Jimmy Garvin as a face. No, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I didn't know this fact. Like these are two wrestlers that I've heard of uh John B. Bad before, but I've never yeah, like seen him wrestle. But like you, you're telling me this point of view. You ever mm-hmm. heard of Mark Merrill? The wild uh, man Mark Merrill. Yeah I have Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad. Okay, hold on, folks. I've heard of him. Recognize people, but it it was cool. Like I I didn't know that that was that was what was going on. You know, like during the match, I didn't know who was what, what was going on. Like I felt like I was watching a a Mexican wrestling match. Where like you know like 
they cheer for who they got to cheer for, and you realize who's who. So, like, if you're watching yeah, the first those time. fans, you might get, some of them are pretty loyal WCW fans, so they know who Michael PSA is and Jimmy Garvin is. They know who are, you know, the group Freebirds in professional wrestling. Of course, they're going to be behind him versus, you know, Johnny B. Bad, who kind of started pro wrestling before he was a pro wrestler. I think he was like a, a boxing champ. He was in the boxing. Mm. Uh, so, but it was, I like the idea, like, even though the match going on, it was supposed to be a face and heel. But when the crowd switched, they immediately switched their roles. I thought that, like I mentioned earlier, DDT, DDT. Yeah, everybody wanted a DDT. Yeah, that was, that was a big yell. Okay. And I actually, I actually uh, I mentioned this to Vincent earlier. One of the greatest DDTs I've ever seen in my life was in this match. I didn't know the guy could actually. I've never seen a DDT the way I saw that on that match. Did I, I not, Vincent? Yeah, you told me that. Like, you know, you see uh, Ambrose's, what's it called? Uh, underhook DDT or like double arm DDT? Yeah, what's he called it? Double arm DDT. Oh, Moxley's what he called it. Yeah, I don't think he named it. But they name it something. They WWE they call it Dirty Deeds. Dirty Deeds, but uh, AEW calls it what? I have no clue, man. Moxley. You don't want? Just keep going. Yeah. Well. Dude, so when, you saw the DDT from Garvin. Your thoughts? Yo, the greatest DDT of all time, in my opinion. Like it looked legit. It was well placed, well done, well sold. By the way, <laughs> I can give it that. It was well sold. I don't know. Like I've seen who who had the DDT as a finisher before him. From back in the day, I mean. Jake the Snake Roberts was yeah, the Jake first the one. Yeah. And following that would have to be the enforcer, Arn Anderson. And then in ECW, you had Raven, who does, but he calls it the even flow DDT. Yeah. So all three of them had their own unique versions of DDT. So, yeah, but no, this was like a legit just grab hook. It wasn't like no pickup, no, no legit trying to do any like a little fancy thing. It just like he grabbed them and floated right into it. It was, so, it was, it was like a snap, like bam, like it was like, oh shit, like it wowed me, like towards the end of that match. And the thing is, I'm already skipping to the end of the match, semi, but that's what stole that whole match to me. Honestly, it was a good defense and offensive match. You know, it was ah, you guys can talk. It took Johnny B. Bad a whole long time to get down to the ring, having to stop and turn oh, yeah. around and use his little shooters. The only thing left was now was playing the song of Little Richard. I live in America from Rocky IV. That's the vibe that I'm getting when I saw that taking his time with his entrance. That's what it felt like. Take, out, take off the gloves and the vest and all that other mm-hmm. But the match was good. The match was real good. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got their stuff in and, you know, the whole turning, turning the tables on their turn of script gimmicks. Yeah. Just turning their roles on the spot. Work. Sold it all. And then 
player player Teddy Long coming in with the distracting the ref. Oh, let, let let's talk about the guy with the broken arm that can actually still use it. <laughs> Mike Michael PSAs. <laughs> the, the, immediately after the match, bad one, and you see Michael Hayes was just chasing down Teddy Long, and he just basically punched him with his injured arm, and that was it. I'm like, damn. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. If you knew Michael P.S. Hayes, his character, you don't you don't ever trust anything he does. Mm. I mean, if the guy twisted his ankle in front of me, that fool would have to turn all the way around. You'd probably kick him as you walk by. <laughs> Make sure that's no, fucked up. Believe it. All right. Well, I mean, anybody got anything to add to this match? I mean, I just that DDT fucking did it for me. The, the ending was kind of weak. That punch. I mean, that, I mean, I, I understand that was his finisher, I guess. Oh boy's yeah. finisher. But I mean, the DDT was way better. I mean, of course. I mean, you're gonna kind of look at it that way. Um, I would say his left hook was his beginners. Like, I don't know how long he started or began wrestling. He's like, he's still learning it in some ways. I'm pretty sure he was trying to find his groove as a finisher. But in over time, he does his left hook way better than what you saw from 91. So it's just more practice and perfecting and everything. Uh, all right. Because I'll say uh, John Cena had a way better hook in China, you know, with his his last ultimate move of death. But. Nah. Por que nah, no? Nah. But I will give this match. I'm going to go ahead and give it a two. Two. Uh, yeah, maybe a two out of five only because I think the reason why I gave it a two out of five, if it wasn't for the crowd, you know, how they kind of turned it around. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of interesting to see. It's, it's more of an interesting factor just sitting back and observing it. How did that go? So two, two and a half is uh, my vote for that match. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go with a two. That DDT. That's all I got to say. That DDT. All about the DDT. I'll go ahead and give it a two and a half because I'll attribute it to the, the ring awareness of both men and willingness to just go with the crowd. And then it's not like they messed up any moves or like that. I mean, they went through it. I was entertained. All right. One thing has to be said uh-huh. for the Attitude Era, this match will have two of his greatest in it if you know WWF at all. Right or wrong? You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, a 21-year-old Dustin Rhodes, which we all know to be Goldust. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, n- nobody remembers him as Seven. That was his name, right? <laughs> all right. And um, against a one and the only 316 Stone Cold Steve Austin as the stunning Steve Austin back in the day when the man used to have hair. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit for some party. He, he was looking like a Hulk Hogan ripoff. Back when he was from uh, Hollywood, not Texas. Hey, what? Man, the man only had like, you know, like he had like about this much. He he, he didn't have the goatee going. He didn't have the mustache or anything going. But the, the man was, you know. Let me ask you guys a question. Did he use the stunner back in the day or yes or no? I, I don't know. Real talk. I want to say no, because he didn't do the stunner until around the time when leading up to the King of the Ring in the year of 96. That's what I remember. But as a finisher in WCW, 
that's a very good question. Like, I don't even know what finisher he used back then. Yeah, because as as I was watching this match, I was kind of for some reason I was like, I was waiting for the stunner to happen. Plus, there was like a lot of moves. Like, I mean, this one he was coming in as the WCW World Television Champion, defending yeah. it. And this Dust. is yeah, this is the uh, the title defense, which this is the first of four, right? Yeah, first of four uh, title defenses that night. Well, one um, of them is the inaugural. Mm-hmm. One, one this, of those. Yes, you're correct. It's inaugural. We'll get to that in a second. But even that match was like really cool, interesting to see for both men young at their age. Um, and both of them are upcomer learning, you know, kind of quickly rising up the ranks in WCW from a lot of impression people getting to it. Oh, and, uh, go ahead. Actually, what I was going to ask is uh, WCW used to have a ranking? Somewhat. So- because I, I heard not... it, I heard it during the uh, the their pay per view like thing or whatever. Like, oh, this guy ranks number four. This guy ranks number eight. I I think Austin was ranking at number Dustin Dustin Rose was ranking at number eight, and Austin was ranking at number four or something like that. I believe um, I could be wrong. Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> Like that's what uh, they were talking about. They kept saying in the world, but I don't know if the Pro Wrestling Illustrated top 500 at the time. Yeah, that, that's where like that little kind of confused me a little bit. I'm like, wait, th- is that what they were doing? Is is that how you get like your title shot or whatever? Kind of like how, you know, uh, <laughs> UFC does their whole thing. You know what I mean? Like you're ranked uh, number two in, in, in this division or whatever. I never used to watch wrestling like that when I was younger. So, like that, like. I mean, we all watched wrestling because we just thought this pro wrestling was really cool. You know, good guys versus bad guys beating each other up with ridiculous outfits, but the blood and chair shots and everything. You want to see your hero wins, and you want this villain to lose, type of thing. And that's kind of like what kind of fits a little bit into this build. Between Stunning Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes. The match, I like it. There's a lot of wrestling moves that we don't normally see from both men at oh, that yes. time. Especially Steve Austin. I mean, when was the last time you see Steve Austin jumping off the top rope with a double axe handle? Not that much back in the Attitude Era, let's be honest. I don't know. What y'all's take of it from what you saw? I personally, it was actually pretty cool to see. Like, a lot of people... Nowadays, see uh, Dustin and AEW, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know he was capable of this, capable of that." Like me personally, like I always saw him as Goldust. Didn't really get to see him. Like I, I want to say, like peak performance, but I feel like, like let's say Dustin actually went and did what he what he was doing in WCW. Felt like he was like. What was it called? Um, when when you have the when you do guns on on Modern Warfare, like they they shorten his stats. They um kill death ratio. No, not kill death ratio. It's like like if you have a gun on 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 Call of Duty and rank it up. No, they rank it down. Like how your stats are. Gunsmith. <laughs> no. You're trying to get 
two people who don't play that game to tell you what you mean in that game. That they nerfed. Like, they nerfed. Oh, nerf his moveset? Yeah, they, they, they nerfed his moveset. They nerfed what he was capable of. I feel like that's they what they basically WWE. hold him back. Yes. Restricted to do things that he can't do. Yeah, and then once he got out of there, he went back to AEW and he started doing all that stuff again at his old age. It's it seems like they literally wasted his talent. That's WWE is pretty notorious, very notorious for doing that. I mean, a lot of rest, wrestling companies, some of them may do not as the uh, very little bit, but not as much as restrict as WWE does. WWE is very well known for that. Sure. Yeah, but like from from my point of view, like the, I didn't see Dustin do all those, those things before, and then no, seeing him, like yeah. he can definitely go in a ring even if he wanted to. Like I just wish they put a lot of effort with this whole Goldust thing, and that's how I discovered uh, Dustin Rhodes as Goldust first. Um, yeah, same. But, but the only memory, the only memory that I because Goldust when I think of him. You, I guess they're trying to make him as the Marilyn Manson of pro wrestling, uh, the best way to put it. But my memorable memory from Goldust was him versus Roddy Piper, Hollywood backlot brawl, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. 12, <laughs> in 1996, which was my very first pro wrestling pay-per-view that I ever ordered. And that card was... They had some really cool matches on there, too. But going back to the um, Dustin... Dude, he was quick. Oh, yeah. Back. Quick as a cat, for sure. And Austin would stop at every opportunity. We'll have his manager to try to persuade or get involved in some way or another. And as the match goes on, you hear the ring announcer telling you, hey, you got 10 minutes left, five minutes left. WCW TV title matches always have time limits and are always notorious with that. I don't know if you guys remember much of those time limits. Mm, probably not me. No, not that particular one. I've seen plenty of time limit matches. And this was the second match where they actually had um, color in the ring because Dustin was busted wide open in the middle of the match and going off. Yeah, well, Austin didn't Austin bleed too? Towards the end, he wound up getting cut. <laughs> yeah. There was a moment like, towards the end of the match where like people were really starting to believe that I, Dustin was going to win it. A moment when they said 60 seconds left, you hear the, a lot of the crowd was slowly erupting, really cheering for Dustin to win. And when he tried to make the cover, at the time, three, two, one, one, two, three, boom, it was already too late. And the match ended in a draw. Yeah. Did he ever win the title, by the way? Just asking a question. Like, in general or just for that match? Oh, in general. No, not that match. He lost that match. I don't remember if Dustin Rhodes ever held any titles from WCW other than the Intercontinental title in 1996, twice. Then WCW or WWF? WWF. Um, he actually won his first Intercontinental title against Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, at the 1996 Royal Rumble. And the second time he won it because... The title got vacated, and they had a rematch the following week. It was he beat Savio Vega on Monday Night Raw in this, uh, like either May or April of that same year. So he was a two-time Intercontinental Champion. 
I know about his Intercontinental reign. And then he lost his Intercontinental title to Ahmed Johnson in King of the Ring 96. That was a squash match, right? I don't know. I haven't watched the full match. I would like to go back and see it. It was one of those views I did want to see. But, yeah, Austin, the, the match ended the draw, and Stunning Steve was still your TV champ. All right, let me ask this question still. I know Vincent was making a look. Because usually he's the guy with the tech that goes and looks. What was his finisher back in the day? I think you were you started looking it up. Yeah, I didn't see what his finisher was back then, but he didn't use the stunner until he was Stone Cold mm. Boston, and it was a move he got from Johnny Ace called the Ace Crusher. Mm-hmm. He would lay down as he did the move. Johnny Ace would you know take his guy all the way to the mat, and then Stone Cold turned it into a sit down move. Mm. I don't know. I was in this match because I've always been a Stone Cold fan. Since I've seen the, or since I started to see the 316 shirts everywhere, I was like, what's up with this guy? And that's what kind of got me back into wrestling, seeing those everywhere. And his character just clicked with me right away. Yeah. Glad to see him win. (laughs) I would be behind him anyway. Hey, well, kind of getting off subject. Did you, oh, I know Vincent saw it. Did you see WrestleMania this year? Yeah, I did. It was kind of a blur for me, honestly. Okay. But night one was my favorite because of the main event with Austin versus Kevin Owens. All right. I was smiling. All right. I'm going to ask Vincent this question. Vincent, when Stone Cold got that suplex outside the ring, what was your first thoughts again? When he got suplexed out of the ring? Yeah. not Like when, when they were outside the ring and he suplexed them on the concrete floor. So Owens suplexed Stone Cold on the floor? Yeah. Uh, thinking about it, I would be like, no, don't break this man's back. That's what you told me at work. I just, the only thing I wanted out of that match is to see Kevin Owens get his ass whooped. And that's what happened. You took a good stunner. Yep. Oh, yeah. It was going to happen one way or another. Um, but those two wrestling style fit so well. They could have gone a little bit longer if they wanted to because Kevin Owens and Steve Austin, they're both brawlers. They can. They can go in the ring, out the rings, through the crowd, which they did. It was it, really surreal. It was awesome. It happened. It was, and I, I'm not a Kevin Owens hater. I like Kevin Owens. I like when he, what he does in the ring, and I like his style. I just such a Steve Austin mark. I wanted to see him beat the shit out of Kevin Owens. I know Kevin <laughs> Owens would have wanted it too. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter and, who the fuck he's fighting. It don't matter who the fuck what he's doing. It's just like, yo, this is my guy. This is what I want to win. Like this is the outcome it's one of those rare that is one of those rare occasions where you always wanted to do something with the a hero or an idol that you grew up watching. And Kevin Owens was very, you know, thankful for that moment where he actually got into a ring with one of his favorite wrestlers he got to watch. Trust me, if I ever had an opportunity to play guitar at least one or two songs with Papa Roach, it would be an honor. Bro, you and me need to finish our match from the White Swan. Two out of three. All right, fall down anywhere. Let's just hope we don't get shot, and we'd be like tonight here on Fox Twenty Six News that no. a white one got closed down again. No, <laughs> no. Me and Hector actually, uh, we, we had a semi match at the White Swan. We we play. Uh, well, did we play a show? What happened that night? It was we did play the show, and from what I remembered, 
I don't know what happened, but then I don't know who started it. It was you or me, but in the middle of the set, uh, the, between load-ins and load-outs, you and I started to brawl inside the bar, and you were hitting me, and I was hitting you, and I was slamming your head on the table. You threw me to the the guardrail or something. And, no, uh, and everybody Vincent, was just there looking. Like, Vince is thinking, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Did you guys really do? That? No, it was like legit wrestling. Like when mm-hmm. when like when he we threw me like that, I did the whole, like it was all yeah. like yeah. We and what was cool about it is. Me and Leo improvised. Like, we kind of knew what we were doing and taking turns. Like, just, like, knew what's next. That was the funny part, you know? So, somebody actually was like, oh, these guys are fighting, blah, blah. They're trying to, like, split us up. And (laughs) was it it the owner? It was an old lady. I remember this. Like, she was like, oh, no, they're just wrestling. (laughs) Like, through the whole time. They're just wrestling. (laughs) It's just fine. It's okay. (laughs) It's the white swan. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, like, which... dude. Honestly, yeah, that night was epic. It was a fun ass night. <laughs> it was fun. I'm not gonna lie. How many bands can say that? Like, we played a show. We fucking had a wrestling match. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to finish that wrestling match. Maybe five years later, we have to finish it. We should have a wrestling match at every show we play going forward. Now, just to get people's get a pop from people's ranks like what the hell's going on you know what fuck the bullshit like let's just be outside uh what's it called the um lone star wrestling let's just do it <laughs> you and me go to a random doomsday wrestling and we just start nah oh, there i don't want to get doomsday banned wrestling. for life i don't want to get banned no no why not <laughs> dude put me in the spot like that you know this video is gonna go live, and he's gonna see this, and they're like, "Yeah, don't let this this guy and that guy in because they're gonna try to steal the fun thunder." <laughs> you know. Hey, next thing you know, we'll we'll, we'll get the tag titles. I want to be that the pizza delivery luchador wrestler that I created. Uh, I want to call myself Slice Face the Giorno. <laughs> you know what? You're good with those names. But what about me? What you got for me? We're, we need to sit down and talk. We have to <laughs> see what we can come up with. We need to come up with something that this. All right. We beer, already have. Uh, uh, beer Bordello or something. I don't know. Beer Bordello. Something BB. We'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. All but, right. Uh, for this match, rating-wise, I mean, I give it a three because it was interesting to see, you know, uh, both Dustin and uh, Steve, you know, at that time in a WCW ring and these guys can, you know, they can be technical, they can go on the go and all that stuff, so I fairly enjoyed this match, so. Yeah, me, well, I didn't see Goldust at the beginning of his WWE run, but I know when he came back and he teamed up with Stardust, he had been training and from a lot of different people, I've heard that he was wrestling at his best at that time, and then he brought that into AEW and all that, so I like Goldust too, and like I said, I'm Steve Austin Mark, so take it what you will. It's, this is five out of five for me. The first five nice. out of five. Well, I'm not going to go five out of five. I'll tell you that right now. You know, I should let him go at the end. Uh, I'm going to give this match a legit four. I enjoy both wrestlers. It was kind of, like I said, it was cool to see wrestlers. Like, I know Austin made it way bigger than Goldust did, but it's always cool to 
it's kind of like the whole thing where I was saying, it's like to see them where they were at, what they did and what they accomplished. It's like, and this, this was like legit, like epicness. Like if you can really look back on it, this is epicness. That is epicness is, if that's even a thing. I guess for this show, we go out. Since I'm a producer, how are you allowed? I'm the producer here. I allow what happens. I'm the Vince McMahon of this. Until I get fired. That's what's Until you get caught. Until I get caught. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's the reason why I spent You know what? All right. I, I'm the... Um, I was going to say I'm the Stephanie McMahon of this also. <laughs> oh, God. I'll keep my comments to myself. <laughs> I knew he was going to say something. <laughs> I was good, waiting for that one. Job, I was waiting for that one. Hold on. Like, I'm not going to touch that subject. Move on. Oh, man. And here we go. <laughs> All right. Dude, so the next match. Oh, you want to say something? The, the, the next match, uh, it was Oz, a.k.a. Big Sexy Kevin Nash, going up against a guy who's called himself Bill Casimir, I guess, look like supposed to be. My, here's the only thing that I would say, like, the crowd was dead at this point, but I can't help but feel like two things give away. Well, this Bill dude looks like a very buff Eugene, like, y- when yes. I look at him. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, like- he looked like a big Eugene. He looks like Eugene, but with muscles. And when I see him carrying that globe, it looks like some sort of a. Hey guys, welcome to PBS. Here's a giant bottle of this thing. And you know, no. and for oh. Oz, please, and I'm gonna ask you both this question, and I want you to clear a moment. When y'all saw that match, mm-hmm. when you looked at uh, Kevin Nash as Oz, does he look like a bootlegged sting with no face paint? He looked like Sting with no face yeah. paint when you look Was at it that the haircut? Match. Was it the haircut? The haircut and the tights that he was wearing. Oh, I mean, that's the kind of diesel attire a little bit. The dyed dyed blonde hair. uh, Yeah. When you look back, you'll know what I mean. It's a moment where it kind of looks like like it's Sting. I wasn't trying to think of all that. I was just trying to think, oh, man. See what you've done? You're welcome. Man, this was supposed to be a fun conversation. <laughs> now, now you're trying to ruin what I was just enjoying as my new thing, and now you you're ruining everything. Eh, it happens. <sighs> you know what? I'll write a song about this. How about that? <laughs> I ruined everything. Let's do it. No nuts. I ruined everything. We'll figure, gotcha. figure something out. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, that that was. You know, you know what's funny? All right, look, look, look at this. All right, so the first match was 12 minutes, 33 seconds. The second one was 5 minutes and 16 seconds. Then we have the Bobby Eaton versus Taron Taylor, 16 minutes. We had the Johnny B. Bad match, which was 8 minutes, 16 seconds. The Steve Austin match, which lasted a whopping 15 minutes. That's why I said... The time match was actually the not is the third longest match 
The other match was the second one. Uh, this match lasted a whopping three minutes and 59 seconds. That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> yep. Anybody uh, want to, you know, I'll drop my rating. I'll give it a one. <laughs> Kevin Nash was in it. I'll take a shot to that in the story. Anybody else? Half a shot at best. A shot at best. All right. I said half a shot at best. Half a shot. All right. Mr. Falcro. Uh, half a star. All right. And it gets worse. Same rating. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm already going to come out and say the same rating. I don't even care. V <laughs> So the man gives a man. For this match, a half a star. Do you know what match comes up next? Oh, God. Come on. All I can say is Van Halen. Hammer versus Doug Summers. All right, so we can skip this one. I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> unless, you, on. Un- unless you have a higher than half a star. Because I actually gave it no stars, so no shots, no nothing. I mean, the Van Hammer dude kind of reminds me one of the guys from Raven's Flock in WCW. All, all grungy and everything. I was about to say, was he or was he not? Other than that, we're moving on. I want to say he might be, but I'm not sure. I would just have to do more homework on that part. But I'm ready to move thing, on. The right. only thing I read up on Van Hammer was that he joined the company early on and stayed till the very really? last remaining guys with WCW. Yeah. Was he a jobber? He just was always Van Hammer or, or Hammer. Probably behind the scenes kind of a guy, maybe. Like I said, like he looked familiar. Like if you put the facial hair on him, he looked like one of the guys from Raven's flock because Raven had everybody from like uh, Loki to Billy Kidman, Harry Saturn, Scotty Riggs. Uh, there was a lot of, if you look up the flock for the stable in WCW. Old boy came out in a co- cowboy suit yeah, in 1993. He was in the flock. Huh? He was? He was in the flock, yeah. Oh, shit. And he actually won titles. Not really. He beat Jesse Ventura in a strongest arm Wrestling match, tournament? Damn. That's, that's his accomplishment? But he beat Saturn in a loser leaves the flock match, but was thrown out by Raven because Raven likes Saturn better. He was that guy? Was that like 1998 or 99? May 11th, 1998. Okay. Uh, the, the Cruiserweight title. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> Which at the time was the light heavyweight championship. This is the uh, inaugural match for the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Technically Cruiserweight, right? I mean, they didn't call them Cruiserweights until 1996, but yeah. Light Heavyweight was... But you had to be... You had to be 135 pounds at the time to... that. That's what they said on the on the pay-per-view. You had to be 135 or under 135 to, to be qualified to be in this championship reign. Was it 100... 200 not sure what actual weight class is back then, but I know they, no, they changed saying, the weight class. Yeah, but they were saying 235, not 135. Oh, my bad. 235. Some little bitty dude. Uh, okay, most reigns, Brian Pillman. Longest reign, Brian Pillman. Shortest reign, Scotty Flamingo. First champion was, as we were, uh, who Lion was in this Brian? I'm pretty sure. And somebody from the... Somebody from the York Foundation. I kept waiting for Pillman to bring out his gun. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. Was it the same dude? Yeah, that's the same Brian Pillman. That's the same guy. That's Flying Brian is Brian Pillman, a.k.a. the guy who pulled out a gun on Steve Austin. Dude, I I was like, that's not him. I don't remember anybody, dude. 
No, I, I don't. You I don't really recognize. don't. You don't recognize anybody. Dude, he looked more grunge in WWF than he actually did. <laughs> Man, he was older. Did you did you recognize Jim Ross at least? Oh yeah, of course, man. That barbecue um, sauce—that barbecue sauce—it's all types of. Did you recognize? Did you recognize Tony Schiavone? Oh yeah, I recognize his ass too. No, but like, I, I saw him. I'm like, uh, is it? Nah, I can't. It can't be that guy. There must be a different Brian Pillman. There must have been like five Brian Pillmans in WWE. No, dude, I swear, <laughs> I swear to you, I didn't. They're, they're... There must have been more Brian Pillman's than Doink the Clowns. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I look, make fun of me all you want. I swear to you, I I don't know. I just did not see him <laughs> as that guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, I'll admit it. Shit. I done fucked up, but whatever. I am fucked up too, but I done fucked just, up just, too. Shit. Just take a drink. Take a drink. Just take a drink. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I think one of the fun points in this match for me was they this was another referee cam match and uh, one of the times i think it was ricky morton or i mean richard morton in, from the uh, whatever that company was the York your, yeah, your foundation i think one of the funnier moments was they were doing the cam and they showed the camera and the referee it was supposed to be exactly what the referee is looking at but it showed the ref's arm it showed his arm laying on the mat while he's counting one two three with the other arm if he's watching his own arm instead of watching the guy, you know, lift his arm from the pin, then you could tell that's pretty staged. There was even a cut to commercial or whatever in between matches where Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone were just looking down at the monitors instead of the cameras or whatever was going on in the. I don't remember if it was in this match or. Is that where they were talking about like, oh, you have the the the, we have the camera and blah blah. And I think that's the last one they did that the camera thing, right? Yeah, it was the last match with the referee. Oh, yeah, because I actually wrote that down. I was like, I actually wrote it wrong the first time. And then when I saw it pop up on the screen, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. That's how you write it down. Would you consider the referee was way ahead of its time? Not if you're counting on the damn arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, um, it actually looked pretty cool, though. Like, going back to the first match, it looked pretty cool on that. Because of all the chaos and all this shit, like, it, it, it actually looked pretty damn cool. Like having them, but like, dude, I ain't gonna lie to you. When I saw that helmet on his ass, I was like, what "The fuck is he wearing?" <laughs> like that was my first response for some reason. Like, what the fuck are you wearing? The only like extra side notes I have on this thing was this was the last match before they pulled the Halloween backdrop back down, haunted house or whatever. Oh really? They pulled the backdrop up for the right before the match between Johnny B. Bad and Jim Garvin, but then it came back down after. So ratings, it seems like the more we get into this pay-per-view, like the epicness happened in the beginning and then we just... I mean, it wasn't a bad match. They had a little bit of back and forth and kind of got a little bit invested into the match. But, I mean, it was just all right. If I'm going to give it a rating, I'll give it a three out of five. A dose. Hmm? I'm right there with it. I'm going to give it a two. But pretty much this was the Cruiserweight Championship, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's how it started off. That's a, that's a bad I mean, cruiserweight at that cruiserweight match, it was hard to be invested for that one. I mean, when I think of cruiserweight matches, I think of like wrestlers like obviously Rey Mysterio, Kidman. Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Billy Kidman. You know, those are the guys like on WCW, like 
pioneered Gersoitel, even Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera. Like well, those are my favorite. Actually, the, there's something that it piqued my interest to watch maybe the next um, WCW event after this one. And it's only the fact, apparently he didn't win it. Um, they said that, what was his name? And I always mispronounce his name. Jerry Lager. Oh, you're talking about Jerry Lynn? No, he's oh. talking about Jushin Liger. Jushin Thunder Liger. Yep. Yes, that he's looking at this match. And I was like, oh, shit, did he face him after this? Like, that would be a match I want to see. I kind of feel like I really need to watch more of Liger's matches. Because mm-hmm. from what I can tell, he had a lot of good memorable matches, not in Japan, but even with people in the United States. And WCW and didn't that did dude have... retire? Uh-huh. I think Liger retired recently. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I think it was just within a few months. Because when they mentioned that, I was like, man, I hope that's the match. Or that's... I'm going to see him go for a title like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah. All right. So, after that one is the... Squash match. <laughs> Anybody want to give a rating to that one? Let's be honest. Anyone want to give a rating to that one? Yeah. <sighs> The Halloween Phantom versus Ton Sinks. Z-Man. Z-Man? Z-Man. Okay. You know what? For his name, I'll give him a one. Just for his name, I'll give him a one. This is my my third half shot matchup. Third half shot? Why? How? I kind of barely cared for this match, so I'm barely going to give it half a star. Okay. So as we were, the enforce the enforcers versus the Patriots. That sounds like a football game win to happen. It's it should be funny because like the XFL came back. It's the enforcers versus the Patriots on Sundays, you know. That's what it felt like. Um, but it's funny because the Patriots, they were the United States champions versus the world tag team. The world tag team titles was on the line. This well, was the that, third, what, this is the third title. Well, this is my question. How the hell do you have United States Tag Team Champions versus... I'm, like, call me stupid. Call me ignorant. What was going on at that time? Why do you have two Tag Team Champions? Like, right. same company, but... Same thing with a U.S. Champion and a World Champion. Same thing. If you've, so got, that, yeah. if you've got that many tag teams to fill out the belt, make another belt. Okay. Makes perfect sense. I mean, another good example thrown out there. Why would they have the Raw tag team titles and the SmackDown titles, and they go up against each other? You know, besides being, you know, but certain they, exclusive roster. Did, did WCW have? Vincent uh, does shot? have a point. No, it was just another tag team title out there. So you got World and US because during the seventies and sixties. U.S. tag team titles were pretty common in certain territories. Ric Flair was a former U.S. tag team champion. With who? But we all know Ric Flair. <laughs> exactly. We all know who he is. Well, not to not not to say anything else or anything, but did anybody watch his last match? Uh, <laughs> okay, I I have enough from you, uh, Vincent. Did you did no, you watch? He looked bad in the ring in his retirement match. All right, that's all I need to hear. Your thoughts of the tag match overall? I mean, I thought you guys were going to say some pretty cool stuff about the other guy because I don't know. I mean, I know they're Hall of Famers, but like two of them are Hall of Famers. I mean, I hate to say it, but 
even though there might be U.S. Tag Team Champions, but I feel like the Patriots were just like jobbers for helping to elevate people up is the best way to put it because in long term, it's hard to say if they would even stand out or not. Maybe in the Indies, but yeah. But everybody knows who Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco is. So four horsemen or not, you know those guys are going to give you everything they got in the ring. So, you guys know more about wrestling than I do. Honestly, you guys do know more wrestling than I do. Um, is Arn, Arn Anderson, or how do you say his name? Sorry, my bad. Even, I'm a little tipsy right now. Arn Anderson, is he as good as a tag team wrestler as they mentioned on The Havoc? You can basically put Arn Anderson team on with anybody and... He would probably make the tag team match more watchable and interesting. I mean, he's a very specialist, not only in tag team, but in singles competition. I mean, hell, he tagged with Ric Flair. Holy, totally um, freaking very Wyndham. I mean, Larry Zabisco as well. Because um, there's like the psychology that Arnazen has when it comes to tag team. Where like if, especially when he's a heel, that's his advantage. When the ref's not looking and two people ganging up on one, like you saw in that match, like Arn Anderson, yeah, he's really good in tag team wrestling. You know, well, is, without is a doubt. The whole thing they say that when you're a heel in wrestling, that's when you can feel more relaxed, more comfortable. You're pretty like much you, yeah, because because you get away with anything as a heel, especially in tag team heel. Is it? I think yeah, like, I mean that's just that's <laughs> a lot of wrestlers prefer being heel face because you are freer to do what you want. Anything you do, they contribute it to the bad guy. And yeah, I know Arn Anderson has had a storied career and even still doing things with AEW, pump people up and put people over in the tag division more than just singles. He was with Cody for a while. It was kind of funny. It was a cool, kind of cool little bit of a moment there when. In A&W, where both Tony Blanchard and Arn Anderson were on opposite sides, and they kind of went at it to each other. It was kind of cool seeing that. And I will say this, Arn Anderson is definitely one of those top 10 wrestlers on the list, which who should have had an, you know, what if a world title run. Because the guy not only can go in the ring, he can cut on the mic very, very good. Like he can get you. He is him. And there we go again. We haven't even talked about the match, but this is already too damn good. This, this is already. <laughs> you guys have anything to say about the actual match itself? Because me personally, it was a damn good match. Legit scared. Surprisingly, it was a a curveball for me, which, you know, the Patriots. They did their part as as a babyface team, you know, and and with the enforcers doing their heel tactics and everything, the match turned out pretty okay for a tag match for me, you know. I mean, was it match of the night? No intent, no no intention purposes, but for somehow for those four men to go in a ring, they kind of worked pretty well, you know. Not bad. Man, I like that gimmick in the beginning though. It was kind of weird. Well, yeah. V. Yeah, it was. It was good. They, they like, like Pacro said, they had. They did what they had to do. Uh, K 
kept each other in the match. It kept my interest, and it was it, the heel stuff and the face stuff, and meshed pretty well. So I'll go first this time with the uh, ratings. I will give this one. Let me let me bust to Joey. Hey Joey, if you're wa- if you're listening or watching this, let this let wait. I'm letting the suspense broil. I'm doing Joey. Hold on. You know what? White Swan, you and me. Let's go. One more time. Or outside of, uh, you know where we're going. Promotions. We're going to get that match. Yeah. We're going to go to a drive through Jack in the Box. I don't know where this conversation is going, but you were saying your build up through the rating. Hey, all right. Uh, can you hit me with a good DDT? I will sell that DDT better than anybody's ever been sold. <sighs> I mean, I used to do DDTs back in middle school. All right. I can. Back before they did the whole don't try this at home. Uh, right. But I will sell that shit like really good, and we can get us about three good free cheeseburgers. I swear to God, double cheeseburgers, double cheeseburgers, man. I got, I gotta, I gotta do some good stuff for that one. Who the hell's gonna be the ref? Hey Vincent, you wanna be the ref? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Right. You, you count three. Watch my arm. Is would you at least wear? The, would you? Would would you, you the wear the ref helmet? Yeah, I'll do the ref cam. All right, as long as we do this. are a lot smaller now. (laughs) All right. Hell, for the heck of it, dude, if we're actually going to be doing this, I'll be bringing this mask with me. It would throw people off. They're like, what the hell? There's a luchador in the white salon. Did you think about it? Hmm. He's like, that's a little bit too much. We'll end the show with a Stone Cold Stunner. End the story. I'm not going to deliver it. I'm going to let Joey deliver it. (laughs) He'll turn. Oh, shit. Are you going to wear that at the White Swan, bro? What, the mask? Yeah. On our first show, the Luchador playing guitar? Go for it. Fucking go for it. One of the songs. I would say in one of the songs. We'll see. We need to make a Luchador song in order for that to happen. I'm already thinking of it. All, All right, right, let me know. So, at the end of the whole thing... Wait, has everybody said their, their ratings? No, we're still waiting on you. Oh, <laughs> you're waiting on me? Man... Honestly, I give this one dramatic pose, dramatic entrance, you know, dramatic whatever. Now, nah, I actually give it a, I give it a three. No, it was just a legit three. It's it's pretty cool. It was it's a pretty good match. I like the chemistry between the groups, and that was it. Yeah, for me, I'll, I'll do three and a half. Huh? Three and a half. Three point five. Por qué? Reasons. It was good. I mean, it was interesting. Pretty well. I wasn't overly amazed by anything. But it was good. All right. So we're going to go back to this because the, the championship match is coming up. But, you know, before we do is the championship match. I give it up. I'm going to give it a three. The championship match? No, let Falcro give his. Oh, uh, for the, the tag team. Tag match. No, yeah. I, I was about to do something. Are you done? Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> good thing you told us you were going to do something besides just ignoring Falcro. I was like not. Ass. I was not ignoring. Oh my god! I'll take a sip of my Call beer. As you were. Take that, producer. As as you were. <laughs> I can't even. Uh, I'm I'm my drinks are empty now, so I'm just sitting back and watch. What's your dog? Mm-hmm. He's going off on that thing, but we get right before the um, title match. We get the segment with Paul E. Dangerously. Where we find out the identity 
of the Halloween Phantom, which I kind of figured it out just by seeing the guy in the mask. And I was watching it with my wife earlier, and she was like, no way, this can't be this guy. I'm like, yeah, it can. He's wearing a shirt. Like, no, his shoulders are way too small. As the segment progressed, find out that the Halloween Phantom that was in the pay-per-view earlier is actually Rick Rude. Big reveal, he's coming over to WCW. And yeah, he did at one point have huge shoulders before well, then. That's a very young Paul Heyman, too. It was a, I'm surprised you recognize Paul Heyman. He has hair. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't, sure didn't rec- he wasn't wearing his hat. You recognize Considering you earlier you didn't recognize who Brian Pillman was, I'm kind of surprised, too, that you recognized who Paul Heyman was. So, good job. Good job. I think it's a cell phone. He recognized the cell phone. Oh, it's not that. I... But then, you know, there are plenty of people who had a cell phone. Big-ass brick. That big-ass. Oh, yeah, that big one thing. And I believe that was, with Rick Rude joining, that was the beginning of the deadly alliance, or the dangerous alliance, sorry, where not only they got Rick Rude, but later on down the road, they recruited guys like, Steve Austin, and I think I could be wrong, but maybe Arn Anderson. And it was cool seeing Medusa, aka Alondra Blaze, with uh, Polly dangerously. And who would have ever thought that during that segment, the two men, both Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, would be running their own ships with WCW and ECW? Who would have thought? Kind of funny. And it was Basically, a message to take down Sing. Take a whole and Sing. Yeah, segment. Oh, and I, I looked it up and I've got the Dangerous Alliances. Yeah, Polly Dangerously. Medusa was their director of covert operations. Eventually included Arn Anderson, Bobby, and Larry Zabisco, Michael P.S. Hayes, Rick Rude, and Steve Austin. Dude, that's one hell of a faction right there in WCW. How long did the faction last? Did it said how long did it go on? Just a year. It broke up in November '92. So a full year stable. That's usually how long they last, no? Mm, well, even after that time, Rick Crew didn't really wrestle that long either, because I believe it was in '94. I don't think it was '95, but I was in '94. He wrestled Sting in Japan, and there was a spot that got Rick Rude to force to retire because Sting did like a high, because Rick Rude was at ringside, right? And Sting did this, you know, cross body block jump on Rick Rude. The problem was when Rick Rude catched Sting and when he sold it, uh, Rick Rude wasn't aware of his awareness because the ringside has like, okay, so there's a ringside and then there's this edge on it, like a platform. When he caught Sting and fell back, his back literally was on the edge of that platform that bend up his back with Sting's weight on top of him. And he still continued the match. And it messed him up really bad, which he went to the doctor and it just basically, you know, he couldn't wrestle again. If you look up Rick, Rick Rude's uh, last match on YouTube, you'll see it. It's pretty bad. And it's kind of sad for his career coach, George, because that guy can, he had some pretty good feuds, especially with the Ultimate Warrior in WWF. And yeah, okay. And from there, we go to the championship match, which is a two out of three falls. Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger. Lex Luger was the champion at the time. I'm not going to lie. 
I actually thought this was the one he wanted in. The one that Ron Simmons won. Yeah. It was not. It was like June the next year. I like the match. The match was good. I just didn't like the first fall ended in a fine buster. Now, I actually have set up him working on Luger's back. Well, here's the thing I actually have to ask you guys. What was the whole thing with the over the top with the whole over the top? Yeah. So I can help you answer that question regarding that. So WCW had this weird rule that they're the only one in the company where you throw a wrestler over the top rope, you get disqualified for throwing them over the top rope. Like, dead serious. But if you throw them, you're good. But over the top, it's a big no-no for WCW for some stupid reason that I don't know. That was it. I could I could see it being some kind of safety issue, but I don't really see the problem because, you know, going over the top rope, yeah, you might land wrong, but you got to prepare for that eventuality. You're going over the top. I mean, your competition's already doing Royal Rumbles. I mean, that, and plus, you have wrestlers, your opponent are leaning to the ropes. You ran at them with the clothesline, and that kind of throws them over the top rope. So would that count as a disqualification? Well, then they, have, like, then they have the whole thing, like, well, not, then they have, like, from what I was listening to, like, oh, the only reason that he was, that was allowed is because old boy was holding his trunks and then, like, just looked like he just threw him over. Like, yeah, they had Harley Race hold on to Ron Simmons' trunks. Ron Simmons didn't go over also. Because if he had gone over also, then it wouldn't have been a disqualification. Yeah. And the match would have continued. Continue. And there would have never been a second decision. Second yeah, but nowadays, you know, this doesn't happen. This doesn't count. Was there a point where this changed? Like, when Towards did it change? Or the, like, besides the Royal Rumble? I think itself? it changed. I want to say it changed I mean, honestly, when the Monday War started. Because honestly, I will say this. I've never heard of that rule. I never saw a wrestling match end like that or that being a disqualification, period. When did you get into WCW? 98. <laughs> yeah, so that was already, like Falker said, that was already deep into the Monday Night Wars. So that's if, if they were trying to be super competitive with WWE or WWF at the time, whatever, whatever then they would have gotten rid of that rule because that would eliminate a lot of moves mm-hmm. stuff that they can just run with in a match yeah because when i watched this I, sure. I swear to you i was pissed off i was like like I, I was enjoying it like the match for what it was and then when i saw that i was like like i literally sprung up got pissed my wife was like what's wrong with you i was like this is bullshit but it's already happened. I'm like, you're right. Like, legit, that was my reaction. You're right. What the fuck? Like, but that's a rule I never knew. I never knew about the whole going over the top rule. So, I mean, you guys know about it more than I do. So, like, you guys are already telling me. So, it's, to me, this is weird. This I, I never heard or seen this besides a Royal Rumble, period. And I believe they took it off because not only just 
maybe because of the reason it could be many reasons maybe because a lot of people have been going over the top rope so common to the point where they're just like uh, everyone's throwing everybody out over the top rope anyway so many times might as well take the rule off the book i guess it's just one of those things in pro wrestling where just rules are made to be broken you know what did you guys think of the match uh we even got to the third fall yet i thought the first two were the best ones first one was actually pretty well if you want to go to the it was kind of the pile driver i mean it was kind of epic i just didn't know that if it were used a pile driver yeah it did felt botched it It kind of looked botched but i mean it was botched but Honestly, if I got hit with a power driver like that, I would have fucking just been like, look, I should win this match. I'll just stay here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if someone hit me with a, with a power driver like that, I would just be on the ground. Just be like, yeah, just pin me. Like, you're supposed to win the match. I don't care. Fuck at this point. Just just end, end, end me right now. Because the way his shoulder ended, like, not ended, but like, fell and all that shit, dude, that shit look. That shit looks sloppy as fuck. Yeah, I agree with you there, because looking back and thinking about it now, the way how it was executed, if it would have been done the wrong way and just one bad misstep, uh, Ron Simmons would have gotten seriously injured in that match. Um, luckily, his head was never really near the mat, especially for a big guy like Ron Simmons being picked up like that from Luger. I mean, Luger's a strong guy, cool too, but the way how Luger executed the pile driver, like he didn't even like jump up and drop down. He had to left one of his legs and then drop the other leg next to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was lean. Uh, that kind of like, I wouldn't say cringe, but it was like, shit, man. You know, might think of a better finisher than the pile driver going forward. Torture wreck happened, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess he found the torch, like, my question is, maybe Vincent might answer me this, because I knew in WWF his finisher was that running forearm clothesline. Did he ever implement the torture rack towards the end of his WWF run, or did he brought it to WCW in 95? I'm not sure of, because that was okay. that segment where I didn't really follow. He already rest. mentioned that before, too. Yeah, but now he used the torture rack in WCW. Probably something that he just implemented once he went through I mean, for the match itself, I mean, like, leading up to it, they really hyped it up to make you feel and believe that Ron was going to win, especially the montages of going back to his roots, playing football and everything. It was the dream. Um, and it was kind of cool. It was a dream that was crushed. Yeah. He didn't, Ron Simmons didn't become world champion until two years later after that match of summer of 93, when he uh-huh. pinned Big Van Vader. Uh, we actually were talking about that before. But it's fun. but it was kind of cool like seeing Ron being accompanied by Dusty Rhodes while the opposite side, you know, he had Harley Race. And the commentators even mentioned that both Dusty and Harley had like a, a feud back then. But it was kind of cool seeing uh, Mr. Hughes as kind of like a bodyguard enforcer for Hold on. Hold on. Luger and Race. How many times did Dusty beat his ass for the title? Twice. Out of his three reigns? Twice. Yes. I was kind of thinking like the other reign was probably from Ric Flair, right? Yeah. 
Because I remember Flair and Dusty had a feud back then. In the cage match. That's when Dusty got <laughs> first title, and the next two came from old boy. Yeah. Named my dog after him. Yeah. Dusty, my dog. A little puppy I've been uh-huh. running around trying to protect and stop peeing, and actually he peed at the right spot at the right time. Right there. Would you honestly say from, you know, naming your dog Dusty and from what I see from wearing your the American Nightmare shirt, would you consider the Road family would be your favorite wrestling family? Can't say all that. I will not admit to that unless I get paid $45. Da-da-da. Nah, it's, yeah, it's the Rhodes. Holy shit, the man's pulling it out already. <laughs> <laughs> I even admitted it before you pulled it out. Shit. Where the man Internet out. delay. Go figure. Uh, is the roads, yeah. For me, my favorite wrestling family um, would have to be the Hart family because Bret, the, Bret Hart is and one of my favorite wrestlers uh, up there, along with um, Owen Hart and his family. So, go figure. Looking at you, V. Huh? Favorite wrestling family? Family? Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of them, I guess. Yeah, I would say the hearts also. Hearts, yeah, there's so many, you know, between the hearts and that night hearts and the whole everything understood. They've not only in the family have had a lot of great wrestlers, but they've trained great wrestlers. Chris Jericho is one of them. Best in the world. All right. The Ocho. All right. One real talk. Champion. I think, I don't know if we had this conversation already or did we not? Was it Jericho or the Lion Tamer? Which one is the better? I would have to go with Lion Tamer just because Boston Crab is a Boston Crab, but the Lion Tamer, the idea of just your <laughs> neck is being bent and having knee behind the neck implying pressure, it's hard to get out of. That's just me. Yeah, no, it's the Lion Tamer. Because, yeah, that's just a regular Boston Crab. And put that knee in there and it's just brutal. Yeah, you gotta drop it on that neck though. You twist your body. That's some shit. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you guys. One of the funniest ways I ever got out of a submission hole. Homeboy put me in a sharpshooter. Like, man, fuck yo. I'm like, like, did you just fart out my ass? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you bent me the wrong way. You had me in that position. <laughs> shit. Could you imagine how many wrestlers have farted on their opponents when they're trying to apply finishers like that and just get over the hell? I mean, Yoko wrestled um, Steve Austin, and there was a point in the match where Austin, something happened where Austin shat himself, and he basically kept wrestling while, you know, after he shat himself and finished the match with Yoko or someone. It was a funny story. There's plenty of other, I heard, seeing a CM Punk match where there's a mysterious brown thing on the mat and the referee has to look out of the ring, but it, it's not out of the ordinary. Cause you I mean, you're, you're sitting there doing all these moves and you're crunching your body and everything like that. And it's just actually about to happen. All right. Let me ask you guys this 1995. Wait, we haven't even gave the match a rating yet. Didn't we? Why should we? We rated everything else because we're talking about, we have to do it. We have to do it. I would give this one a 3.5 because 
it's the total package, the Wolfpack guy, the narcissist versus the leader of the nation of domination and one half of APA, Protection Agency, a.k.a. Bam! So, And yeah. that's what I was about to tell you. You're going to give that rating? Damn. Give it a... Vince is like, what the fuck do I do now? Well, I was going to say, I'll give it a four, but if you want me to go, damn, I can do that. So you give it four dams? Four damn. <laughs> All right. Why? Falcro said, I mean, it's, you know, I had never really watched a whole lot of Luger matches, but he he sold me. And I like Ron Simmons. Good back and forth. You got a, a good story with Harley Race in there and Dusty Rhodes and a good entertaining match. I'm online. What made this match very good was that top rope disqualification. That's some bullshit. No lie. If you if you don't understand what's going on, like when I when I saw it and they're like, oh, he's disqualified. I was like, that made me jump up. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, triste, no? Hmm? Sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you get thrown over the ropes and that's disqualification. Shit. But. The match was good. Uh, Spinebuster and and that first one. I mean, the it, ending, it's, it's no, it's not an Art Anderson Spinebuster, but it is what it is. Yeah, but when the pile driver happened, I was like, oh, like my first reaction was like, they fuck him up for real, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. please, please, and then I'm like, wait, this already happened, <laughs> like it was bad. It just looked botched, really bad. It looks they... botched, but it's not as terrible or bad when Owen Hart, you know, didn't do the tombstone Paul driver correctly to Austin you... on Slam Night. That one was the worst. Nineteen ninety six. Ninety six? Seven. Seven? Because ninety six, the um the Intercontinental champion at the time. I think they were trying to crown a champion because I know it was 97 because it was a stipulation where if Steve Austin loses, he would have to kiss Owen Hart's ass. 97 was the one where he hit the pile driver and then he did the weak, the the shittiest pin of all time. Right? The shittiest roll up pin yeah. to go home. Yeah. When he knew that Austin was hurt. And you know what's crazy? Even talking about that, Owen Hart did that pile driver move again. To Dan the B Severin. I don't know who he is. Uh, long story short, he used to be a, one of the original uh, UFC fighters along with Ken Shamrock in the uh, mid early 90s. Yeah, that's about it. And we never saw him again. Is that what Pretty much, about? yeah. Like, he actually got hurt. He actually got hurt. Paul Driver. Pretty bad. But yeah. Um, but luckily, thank goodness, Ron was okay after the match, got up. You know, he could be able to move. Um, won the championship. Pretty good story. A good, yeah. Luger won the championship, and it was a good wrestling match for what it is. Especially like the, even the commentator says, both of these guys came from the world of football. One is a offense, and the other is a defense. So it was kind of cool. Interesting to see how both work together in a match one on one. They both actually played on the same team. Did they? Yeah. I did not know that. They did drills together. They mentioned it in the pay-per-view. I missed that part. But thank you for bringing it up, though. So, earlier uh, today, you saw a glimpse 
a special bonus for people. Have we talked about 91? The bonus right here is the Halloween Havoc 95. And, and I'll ask you, uh, Leo, what was going through your mind when you finally saw between Hulk Hogan versus the Giant in a sumo monster truck match? What the fuck is going on? That's a legit. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, I thought they were going to, like, do a crash derby type of style, you know, like demolition derby type of style thing. But I don't know. You, you. I don't know who said it. Like, oh, well, they they're doing a sumo thing. I was like, what? And then, okay, the first thing I got shown was the Hulk Hogan talking about. I didn't mean to throw him off or anything like that. Now that seemed like a promo at some point. <laughs> it it looked like, it seemed like a le- legit promo. And then I watched what happened, and I was like, oh, it sucks. Or not like it sucks, but it's like. It reminds you of your two top fucking man. When I was a kid, there's like monster trucks going at it type of situation, and then you watch the match. And as a kid, I felt like you got robbed. you got robbed from sixty dollars watching the pay per view. Oh, when you watch the giant raise his head up. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. I, I don't even know the and rest was, of the pay-per-view. I don't even know the rest of the pay-per-view. It's where I felt like I got robbed. The thing is, you know what? How much do I pay for uh, Peacock nowadays? How much is Peacock nowadays? I don't know. You guys robbed me for that. I had to see it. Actually, you know what? I felt like my um, my life got robbed <laughs> to watch just 20 seconds of that match. No matter the price, I guarantee you there's worse stuff on Peacock than that. Uh, really? Can you name some? Nope, I can guarantee you today. Oh, Lord, help me. That was also the first time I saw that match, and like, or the, the Monster Truck Sumo match, and I'm like, no. So Dude, I started looking at the setup, and when you're watching the match, the guy who's talking to him says, okay, I'm fixing to weld these two trucks together and you see a guy do a quick 10 second weld and that's not the case because those trucks had two different bars where they were attached by look like three or four inch square beams and there was a hydraulic piston in between both trucks i don't know if y'all saw that but the piston would extend and compress and one of the trucks would go up the front end would come up on the truck and then the front end would come up on the other truck. That's how they were pushing these two equal trucks around. Besides just letting off the game. I kind of wonder if those two monster trucks are like still around, you know, well preserved in some random warehouse or something, collecting maybe, dust. Maybe the shells. Yeah. I, I don't know if they would keep the whole subframe and engines and all. It seemed like those two guys were just flooring it against each other and so tear up those engines be worth a dang after overheating it's crazy but about three years that match would reach its 30th anniversary throwing it out there which one the the sumo monster truck match oh lord do we have to bring that up in next next three years you don't have to no you don't have to all right mr falco yes since hold on i'm gonna ask a straight up question 
put this man under the chair right now. What was your favorite WCW game? Bam. Uh, favorites. He knew the answer before I even say anything. And he brings it out. Shit. WCW, NWO, Revenge. It's very so blurry. many good ones. It's, it's kind of blurry. NWO, Black and White. Then you got the Wolfpack. Goldberg's on there. Diamond Dallas Page. Red Hearts. Um, both Stings, Wolfpack, and Pro versions. So, good freaking times. And they had, like, Battle Royale mode or something. Pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. This is what I wanted to ask him. He's already brought it up one time. How the hell did you do a finisher on that game? How do you do a finisher? Hmm? I mean, it's simple. You just press and hold down the A button. So when you, when you reach your bar and you have to fill it up, and when it becomes special, when you see the word special, you have a certain amount of time to use it. So doesn't matter. Like, you pick up your opponent, grab him in the front or back, and then what, you have to press and hold down the A button, and then you flip the joystick in any direction, and it'll do your finisher. That's it. Vincent, what's, what's your favorite wrestler? All time. Because I'm asking you guys, like, two questions apiece. Favorite wrestler and favorite theme song. You know what? I, I guess I'll go first. Since give you guys a little time to think. My favorite wrestler is The Rock. Right? Because around the time, 98, 99, um, heel, face, whatever he was, it was fun. It was cool. Um, I'll always remember the Mankind, this is The Rock, whole fight. Like, you know, and my sister was always more of a Mankind person. And then, like, sometimes we're like, do the matches and oh man she one time hit me one time with a good ass ddt double arm ddt outside the house but it's the whole thing is it was always like a very good like i don't know how to explain it it's the shit talking yes it was always that yeah but honestly rock was a shit <laughs> i say it. he sold it he did it i don't know why roman's what he is <laughs> People want to say about the whole Samoan family and all that shit. It's bullshit. Nope. The Samoan family is a very, very legit, if not the most well-rounded business out of all the wrestling families when it comes to WWE. Business. I don't think there has been a family that has a strong relationship with WWE than the Samoans. The Rock. Yokozuna. Rikishi, um, Umaga, um, the Usos, Roman Reigns. That's fine. That's fine. The list goes on and on. So they have a well-balanced history with the company. So oh. all that's fine, but at a point, mm. who do you feel? I think we talked about earlier that like I was about to ask you like your favorite wrestling family, but I think you already asked that. I don't know. That's I don't know what I from what I've seen in terms of experience. A lot of there's some wrestlers that have fallen in and outs with WWE and Vince McMahon, and there's some families that kind of I wouldn't say fallen in and outs, but just like didn't work well, if it makes any sense for some certain occasions. But that's why I said like the Samoan family, very well strong bounded bond with wwe if not professional wrestling it's a long history i mean i don't 
see any other family that has a strong bond than the Samoans when it comes to WWE. Nope. Right off the bat, nope. I respect that. You asked me, did any Samoan family had any respect with WWE like that, or no? He's just saying that there's no other family that has had such a long history with the WWE. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it's for some reason Vince has it in for him because it's been so long with the company that whatever Vince wants, that's just the way Roman reigns. He's our tribal chief. You know what's the weirdest? What if Zami Zayn takes it from him? It'd be kind of a cool buildup if you kind of make it where, like, if you ever want to try to put Sami Zayn as a quote unquote moment of like world champion, there would be some sort of fallout where like Roman randomly like calls out Sammy and Sammy, not just for a title match, but just gets like the, the W from Roman, like an exhibition. I like to compare it to remember that moment when when Mick Foley first won the WWF championship from The Rock and the arena popped and everybody going crazy. You know, yeah, but that's something know, that I would like to see from Sammy. Do you know what I think Sammy's gonna do? He's gonna team up with Hale, get the tag titles. It's gonna be a betrayal, not a betrayal, but I mean, you can kind of already see it. It's like the um, the Usos you got half the group, like half the guys already like doing the whole thing, and they're saying, you know, one of them is like, no, I don't, I don't want him here, I don't care about him here. But I don't know. I feel like he's gonna go back to to Kevin Owens and fucking take that title, take those titles from. Him. I can kind of see that happening if it plays it. If you play your cards right, make it sense. Another thing would be kind of funny if if somehow like if WWE be able to bring back Sami Zayn's old indie persona, El Generico. Where he was basically like a masked luchador wrestler Hold and on, supposedly bro. speak Spanish. Um, Hold they'd be kind of cool. Would interfere. No. no, he has to come out to the classic. Come on, he has. To oh, because oh, oh, the crowd chant that even during NXT. Like he would come in and interfere with the Bloodlines matches and everything as El Generico, and everything. And they think it's Sami Zayn. They're like, no, I'm not Sami Zayn. I'm El Generico. Kind of like the same way like they're doing with uh, Ezekiel and Elias. Kind of suppose it was the same person earlier this year. That would be kind of rad. But Sami's going to screw the bloodline over. But still, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how, what's going to happen. Who's going to do who. But we'll see how it plays out. Dude, what if this happens in a pay-per-view? Like, Kevin Owens somehow wins a chance to get, kind of like Braun Strowman wins a title shot for, like, the WWE tag team titles. Picture this scenario. It's kind of Braun Strowman? Like, how he won it. Like, Kevin Owens wins his tag team title opportunity. And then out of nowhere, ole, 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 ole. Dude, if that shit hits, I'm pretty sure. Dude, the fans know already. Is done. <laughs> You're gonna do it, do it at a pay per view, but do it at a city that El Generico was way well known, so that people can get behind. Ring of Honor. You got to do it. Ring of Honor crowd that's like in New York or something, or even up in Canada, because you know Canada 
there are a lot of passionate wrestling fans that follow pro wrestling for so many years so they know who's who and they don't hold back they'll tell you exactly how they feel or seeing their matches el generico versus kevin owens or kevin steen oh, i haven't seen any of their matches from ROH, but i'm pretty sure they're like the golden ages or they put each other through hell especially in those latter matches so they be legit and even they, they carried that feud over to NXT with Owens versus Zane. Yeah. Hey, Vincent, you all right over there? Mm-hmm. But, now, but so, so you and me, White Swan, ladder match or no? I mean, ladder I'm, match. I'm, I'm, Is he, I, what the hell are we climbing the ladder for? And, and so. All right. So what's going to happen is I'm going to slap you upside the head with a the guitar. Then you're going to hit me with a DDT. Going to be like, I'm, I'm going to do like a nice little flat upside thing. Hit the ground. Um, I think Vincent might show up and just put up a ladder for just no reason. And then Joey is just going to come out of nowhere and just stun the both of us. <laughs> I'm just going to miss me, man, this shit. Yeah. I'm going to sip on a beer. How long have make Can I ask you a question? Right. How long have you been daydreaming this? Uh, about 30 seconds. <laughs> I just miss <laughs> my man, this shit. Uh, moving on. As we were. So. Overall thought of the 1991 Halloween Havoc pay-per-view, what would you give this show a rating on? Honestly, because no one talked, <laughs> I would give it a four. It's it Ooh. was a bunch of no, it it was a bunch of like weird ass squash matches at some point, but the matches that were worth it, they were worth it. And you see the fact that why they actually made it into the Hall of Fame. It's honestly, I feel like it should be even bigger. So don't take my word for it. Watch the fucking pay per view. The story. Yeah, for me, I'm gonna three and a half out of five because overall, there were good matches, but I just wanted to see less of the squash and at least deserves three. For me, with the chamber horrors, with interesting to see like cool first moments on that show seeing you know austin and dustin a few other things i think three would be a fair shot for what it is so i think the only thing would it would have been gotten to two but if it wasn't for the opening bout the three that's probably the reason why it got a three because of the opening bout was like pretty much set the tone of what halloween havoc matches is so three is my final answer so you guys can find me at xxleox2d2xx on instagram falcro what can they find you at uh you guys can find me on twitch uh with my same username uh twitch.tv slash falcro where i just live stream video games and play music and guitar and I do have a Twitter on G1 Falcro. I just post random shenanigans. So that's where you'll find me in the interweb. Mr. V-Man, where could they yeah. find you at? Me, just look wherever on the internet. said the first. LCID. And for the entire podcast, you can find us at Falcro or V. Who, which one of you guys um, do you know? The Instagram. Oh, shit, he knows. Generation podcast with that. 
Yeah, wow. but that's a wrap for this episode. Yeah. I said I had a party for myself. I drank a